Welcome to Comically Comics, your one-stop listen to all things comics. We're talking books, movies, TV shows, video games, and more. I must forewarn you, though, we are spoiler casting. What that means is we consider all properties, past, future, and present to be valid, and we will spoil the hell out of them. I'm your host, Michael, along with my two co-hosts, Richard and Jeremy. And with all that being said, let's get started. All right, today we are going to talk about one little thing and then one big thing. We got the newest actual trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home and... We're also going to sit there and give y'all finally the Shang-Chi movie review because I was actually able to watch it now. So it's about damn time. No <laughs> joke. Anyways, <laughs> everybody's been w- waiting on the edge of their seats for our review. Of yes. That. With bated uh, breath. Yes, absolutely. And the whelm factor of it. Come yes, on. We want, oh, they yeah. want to know what the whelm meter is. It's this warming up. It's getting ready to reveal. All right, Richard. So what's your whelm factor on uh on Spider-Man trailer? The actual trailer, since it's not a teaser, it's a trailer this time. Yeah, I know. It's a it's a uh trailer the length of a teaser. Uh because <laughs> that <laughs> teaser was really long. Um I'm uh overly whelmed. I'm I'm hyped for this movie. Um we'll we'll talk about it more when we get into it, but as far as my whelming goes, I am very whelmed. I'm uh, I'm excited. I'm ready for this to come out. I'm ready to see it. I'm ready to hopefully enjoy it. Um, anyway, yeah. Jeremy? Uh, yeah, I know. I'm I'm very, very overly pleasantly whelmed. I'm I'm stoked about it. I think this will be really cool. I was, uh, you know, almost having to like go back and watch some of the original Spider-Mans to just kind of make sure and refresh memory, it seemed like, on some of these. So um, that is going to be bringing in all that. Uh, it's really cool. So, yeah, I'm definitely excited about it. But will it, though? Oh, come on, it will. That is, that, that is the question. <laughs> oh, come on, it is. Okay, so I'm just getting into this. Uh, I sent y'all a link. Uh, apparently, the Brazilian trailer for this movie uh, came out, and someone is apparently probably fired after this. But uh, they forgot to remove uh, a shot of where the three villains near the um, what I'm assuming is the climax of the movie are jumping towards uh, Tom Holland's Spider-Man. And if you pay attention to Lizard, he just gets like cold by nothing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like there's nothing hitting him, but he his head like jerks to the to the right or something. And um more likely, they've been known to edit things out a la Civil War when Spider-Man was going to be in Civil War. All the trailers didn't show him. And then in the movie, you know, he's in it. Um, So all three of these Spider-Man are going to be in it. We're going to get Tom Holland. We're going to get uh, Tobey Maguire. And we're going to get Andrew Garfield. And I don't care how many times Andrew Garfield denies it on any kind of interview and says it's a Photoshop like that image that leaked they're on scaffolding which in this trailer the final fight takes a place on scaffolding like come on man like i get it <laughs> he signed some contract because marvel has all these contracts where they can't say anything uh there was another funny one recently uh where someone asked uh Haley atwell if she's going to be in young avengers and she doesn't say anything. She just turns and looks at Kevin Feige. Like, am I, am I allowed to say this? Is it okay? Can I can I say anything? Um, but yeah, like all uh, we're gonna get the three Sony Spider Men 
Um, I'm confirming it. Oh, <laughs> confirmation. <laughs> All right. Well, Richard seems very uh, adamant about us getting three Spider-Man. So there you go. As long as we get uh, Mopey Emo Spider-Man, I'm I'm happy. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they're gonna do with the Tobey <laughs> Maguire one. Um, but I'm interested to see. I, I'm I'm still worried we're not getting. So I have some theories on this trailer. Like, so some of the leaks have said that we're not getting a Sinister Six. It's own like this sixth member is mentioned in name only, which is Rhino, and I'm a little bummed out by that, but. Sometimes leaks are wrong. I kind of wonder if the sixth member is being hidden right now. Like, it's either A, Venom, who's like an obvious choice because, spoilers for Venom 2, uh, he ends up in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, but I like a cooler idea where it's actually Mysterio, and Mysterio's still alive, and they're hiding him from the trailer as like a big sort of reveal. So. By saying that, you bring up an interesting point that I've really been wanting to talk to y'all about for a long time now, and I can't never get my bearings straight to be able to like make a good conversation about it. It has bugged me since the day that I watched Spider-Man Far From Home that Mysterio talks about Earth-616. Yeah. And he talks about there being different dimensions, different universes, things of that nature. At the time, we had a scroll Maria Hill and a scroll Nick Fury. From what I assume, by in credit scenes and things of that nature, when we watched the movie, uh, they've they re- revealed themselves as being scrolls. They should know of that kind of thing. I would think there be in other dimensions that there being u- different universes and things of that nature, just because they're part of Shield. Oh, and. It seems like S.H.I.E.L.D. knows of some sorts of things like that. Uh, see, I don't know. I I don't think they would because friggin' Loki didn't know of the multiverse until... Yeah, that's true. Loki. Yeah. Um, And Loki's an Asgardian, and I figured if anybody from the Nine Realms would know, it would be Loki. But also, like, Mysterio came in contact with Fury and them before he came in contact with Spider-Man. Right. Surely... If they sit there, if he's sitting there saying, "Oh yeah, I'm from a different universe," and I'm this, like, would they not have called bullshit on it and like looked it up or, or looked into it or whatever else the case? You know what I mean? I don't know. There, there's some plot holes with the uh, making uh, the scrolls be uh, Nick Fury and Maria Hill and mentioning that. I feel like that was just an uh, a an Easter egg for fans. Just like the another word saying like, "Oh, it's Earth six one six. Which yeah. the MCU universe isn't six one six anyway. It's one nine 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 like repeated. Yeah. Um so I don't I don't think that they know of the multiverse, uh the scrolls. And I, I think Quentin Beck was just straight up lying and he just assumed that they'd buy that bullshit. Okay. Um my my other thing is is that, you know, if I remember the scenes correctly in No Way Home, as soon as um, Mysterio gets shot and killed, uh, there's a guy. We cut to another scene where we see a guy and he pulls the USB from it. Yeah. And that's where we get the video of Spider-Man's a murderer. Da, 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 da. He yeah. killed, you know, all this other jazz. And we get the video of him being murdered. That just seems to set up 
And for Mysterio to be such a master of illusion yeah. and of special effects, the way it's done in this movie and all that jazz, it just seems like this was a setup like from the beginning. Like if this is almost like a fail safe, like if something starts happening, we're going to make him look like a murderer. Or yes. We're going to do it regardless. Like you're going to go out in glory. You're going to be, you know, just the scapegoat, whatever it is. And, uh, and we're gonna we're going to put an end to Spider Man completely. Yeah, I, I could totally I, I agree. I think it was like uh you know Plan Omega. Like if this is the end, like in other words, uh, if uh, Mysterio's plan completely falls apart, then he has this sort of semi like quasi like changing plan to pin everything on Spider Man. In other words. And um, I absolutely could see him show up in either this movie or a later movie and, and be like, you know, Peter's like, oh, you're you were dead. And he's like, no, like, I'm the master of illusion. Uh, practical effects, you know, they're better. Right. Like, in other words, like, I didn't use holograms. I just used like a squib and then acted. But I don't know. Well, they're going to have blanks. Yeah, I just really want, um, I don't know. I want six people to show up. But it looks like the final battle is just between... It's a 3v3, like it's Electro, Lizard, Sandman versus Toby, Andrew, and Tom. Confirmed by you. Confirmed by me. Um, <laughs> also, uh, some cool little things. Uh, I'm just going through the trailer at this point. Um, but uh, we see Doc Ock climbing that building during the fight and like lightning strikes. And I don't know if Doc Ock turns good in this because. A lot of people are talking, and you can see it in the trailer. Doc Ock's tentacles get... Turn red. Yeah, they turn red because of the nanotechnology from the iron spider suit that Peter had that I'm assuming Doc Ock, like, steals in the fight on the bridge. And in the Raimi universe, Doc Ock is evil because there's some inhibitor chip on the back of his neck that makes him go evil. It like fries and then the tentacles take over. Yeah. I'm assuming the uh, Stark tech maybe will fix that and he'll be able to like get back his like humanity, if you will, and then maybe help Peter in the fight. Uh, I don't want that, <laughs> but <laughs> I think we're getting that. Um, I, I like Doc Ock is not like, I don't like some of the older Spider-Man where the spider villains are just evil only because it happened something happened that's holding them like against their will and most villains that like peter comes up against are just assholes like like doc ock is just an asshole who <laughs> uh used these arms to do experiments and he messed up the explosion went off and it was like fused to his spine uh norman osborn is just an asshole businessman who eventually gets hold of a goblin formula and then he just becomes a asshole goblin man uh, Mysterio is just a washed out special effects actor that like decides to use his stuff to like rob banks and you know do whatever uh, yeah anyway so I don't know uh, the only one that really makes sense is Lizard uh, just because he was trying to like cure people that like were missing limbs and it just turned him into a lizard and he kind of couldn't control that anywho i'm still excited to see this movie i, I especially want to know how it ties in i i have a feeling we're gonna get some kind of either multiverse of madness tie in with it just because we have dr strange we're having sam raimi like characters show up in this movie and sam raimi's directing 
Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. So you said something about uh, Green Goblin. Have y'all seen the one picture where it's somebody on a glider coming in, like, yeah, headstrong, and it does not look like the Goblin helmet. And it's got a hood on. It's almost like he's got, like, like goggles or something on or something on. His eyes are glowing somewhat green, and there looks like to be maybe pumpkin bombs or something around him that are kind of projecting out. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are talking that maybe Ned, you know, goes hobgoblin in this. No. Um, what are you thinking? Uh, well, I, I think it's I, Arrow. <laughs> Green Arrow? <laughs> yeah. No dog from Hawkeye. Yeah. I mean, either one. <laughs> the dog. <laughs> They're about the same. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, so, spoilers, whatever. Uh, there was some leaked images. Uh, it's it's just Green Goblin. He gets, uh, his suit gets damaged at some point. Uh-huh. Um, and... You can like look this image up, and he's got like a satchel and like a hood and some goggles. It's just uh, Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin. Uh, so we're going old school then. Yeah, uh, I mean Dafoe okay. already looks like a goblin man. Like he kind of doesn't need a mask. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you just throw some goggles and a hood on him, and he just looks. Yeah, I mean. Uh, they, I, I think it's their way of getting rid of the dumb helmet because he can't emote in it. You know what I mean? Like, it's this right. just fixed face. So I think it's just a way so Defoe can act. But their their explaining of it is, I think the, the suit that he wears in the Raimi universe gets destroyed in a fight with either Tom Holland or Tobey Maguire. I don't know. Gotcha. Who's, which one's the Raimi universe? Raimi's the one with Tobey Maguire. Oh, is it? Yeah, and the Andrew Garfield, it was directed by Mark Webb. Okay, gotcha. Uh, let's see. Okay, so what are you thinking as far as like, you know, at one point in the in the, in the trailer, Strange says, hey, they're all coming through and I can't hold them back. It looks like they're at the uh, Statue of Liberty. It looks like that's where that big main fight's going to take place. And you yeah. see this giant like purple X that goes across the sky and things of that nature. Strange is on top of the flame, it looks like, of the Statue of Liberty. Um, so it looks like it all kind of connects to each other. Um, and I know they can just piece it that way in trailers. But what are y'all thinking as far as is the, the purple streaks and things of that nature? I think that's when the other two Spider-Men show up. I, the whole, like, I can't hold them back. They're coming. I think it's a... It like all throughout this movie, we're just gonna have Tom face off against these villains, and then on top of the uh, building, he's gonna be overwhelmed. And then Strange is like, you know, like I can't hold him back. And we're thinking more monsters or villains are gonna come through the crack, and it's gonna be the other two Spider Men. I don't think we're getting a whole movie with Toby and Andrew. I think they're just gonna show up for the final fight. Really? Yeah. I hope not. I think there's a lot you could do with them as far as like dialogue and things of that nature. And then there's been rumors and leaks of, you know, them three sitting at a table and chit chatting of what it's like to be a superhero and things of that nature. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, mean, I, I think there could be like some interesting stuff, but I mean, to me, I'm, I kind of compare it to the, uh, multi, the Spider-Man into the multiverse, the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Spider into the Spider-Verse. Sorry, not multiverse. Same difference. But, well, I just you know. was, I was making sure that's what you were talking about. <laughs> yeah. 
the the animated one but um to me in that one they did kind of the same thing you know with having the different ones in there and you didn't really get much from them until the end and i think they went well with that so but uh, there's definitely things that you could bring to the table with having them in there in the movie a little bit more than just the end fight. I mean, I, I, I do think that they need to at least have them in there at least for some extra time to where they can have some decent dialogue and not just popping in saying, hey, we're here to beat the bad guys and we'll see you later kind of thing. But. Yeah, I no, I agree. I mean, my favorite thing about Spider-Man is not the punching of the villains. It's the it's the character development. And I mean, essentially, Spider-Man's just Archie comics, but with like superpowers. And I've always liked that about it. I mean, even you talk about Spider-Verse, the Spider-Verse comic, I didn't really like it. But the the in the in-between moments of like these big fights and stuff I love some of the dialogue between the different Spider-Men. Um, I, I, there's a moment in one of the uh, panels where 616 Peter Parker is talking to Spider-Gwen, and they're talking about how in his universe he lost Gwen because he couldn't save her, and Gwen lost Peter in her universe because she couldn't save him. And there's this beautiful moment where they, like, say like, well, why don't we watch out for each other so we can, you know, help. And I, I definitely want to see something like that. Like, I would love to see Toby maybe like distilling some information on Tom and then like Andrew or something since he he's the only Spider-Man that's lost like Gwen. Do you think they'll ever introduce a Spider-Gwen? Really? Uh, in In live action? Yeah. I think, I don't think it's out of the realm of impossibility. I don't think we'll get one anytime soon, but I totally see like if they want to do a live action, just grab Emma Stone again. She was great as Gwen. Uh, as much as I absolutely hate the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, I loved Emma Stone as Gwen, and I would love to see her return as like a live action Spider-Gwen. She can't right now because I think she's pregnant. But yeah, uh, I absolutely would love to see that. Uh, and yeah, I just to answer your question, I don't, I don't think it's out of the realm of impossibility. I'm I'm banking on if we ever like when we do I, I'm not even gonna say when we ever when we do get a Miles movie oh yeah a sequel to that I bet we get an introduction of Gwen somehow you're talking about like a live action Miles yeah okay I was just oh, make yeah. I was just making sure I didn't there was some information I didn't know about like there's gonna be a a, <laughs> a, a Sony animated Miles like solo movie uh that that's connected to like the Spider Verse because I was gonna be like oh sweet. <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm banking if, if when we do get a, a live action Miles movie that the sequel to that, I bet there's some kind of Easter egg, some kind of connection or something along those lines with Gwen. Their connection in the, there's there's a connection with them too, uh in the comic books. Yeah. Like well, I think the uh in this one like the purple where it's talking about like the purple streaks and the purple X there. I, I'm confirming it is Spider Gwen. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> you heard it here. I'm confirming it. A comically comics <laughs> exclusive. <laughs> Is she coming with Mephisto? Yep. Oh, I was about to say my, no, that God was my other one. I was mean, like the sixth guy for the six, the Senator Six. I, I've been reading this. It's Mephisto. It's, it's confirmed. Uh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> could see it in the flame in the background, like whenever the things blow up at the there at the end with all the electricity. There's a, there's a glimpse you, that they said that it looks like Mephisto. Uh, anyway, all right, uh, moving on. No, 
I'm thinking that uh, I'm I'm thinking Venom comes through in those purple streaks. And I'm oh. not saying he comes through as far as like he's he's. I'm saying we that like that's a, you know we've already spoiled it somewhat anyways. Um, but in the in credit scene, Venom shows up in the Tom Holland universe in a hotel room. I'm saying that when the purple streaks come up in the sky, Venom is then in that hotel room, not in the fight, but in the hotel room. That's what I'm thinking anyways. Okay. I'm thinking that's when there's the shift in the, the universes. That's actually an interesting theory. Uh, I, I I would be fine. I don't know. I don't like Sony. <laughs> I just don't. Like, I'm just, stay away. Just stay away. Like, that's all I want to do is just go go over there. You do your horrible. Build some more PlayStation 5s. Yeah. Like, just go over there and. Do your bad movies and just stay away from the MCU. <laughs> like, I'm not saying they're Citizen Kane or anything, but like, I just, Sony's, anyway. There's a line, like, we have, y'all have got to watch this movie so we can do it because I want to tear this thing apart. There's a line in the new Venom movie where a woman says, like, what do they say about an eye for an eye? And it's like, that's what they say. That's the line. Like, it's an eye for an eye. <laughs> Like it's such it's so stupidly written and it's it feels like a movie from like the 90s or or, or worse. Like it's so bad. B-rated movies. Yeah. It's really bad. Anywho, uh the the new spider suit that we see, this black one, now that we get a better look at it, it's the red suit flipped inside out. Yeah, we were, we were hearing rumors of that. He couldn't get his laundry done. Uh, apparently, he no. at some point in time may get <laughs> green paint thrown on him, and so that's and that's why he turns it inside out because I guess he'd much rather have the paint on his skin than actually <laughs> on the outside of his suit. I mean, that's funny. He also has, if you pause it, he has his cell phone like taped to his chest, and he's like <laughs> FaceTiming Ned and MJ. Because you can see they're on like a video chat. So I guess it's how he can like let them see what he's seeing or something. I don't know. I'm really huh. interested to see what's going on. Why the suit is that way. I didn't know about the paint yeah. thing. That's that's really funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen, you know, you don't know if it's real or not. But I have seen a clip of video where a guy runs up and Spider-Man's standing there on the corner. And he just I think he just webbed somebody up. And this guy runs up and is, he's supposed to be a Mysterio supporter and he just flings this green paint onto Spider-Man and then takes off running the other way. And so Spider-Man has like this giant just glob of green paint down one of his shoulders and down his chest a little bit. And that's supposed to be when he like flipped his suit inside out. Other that's uh, funny. <laughs> kind of confirmation of that is that all the Halloween costumes that they were selling for Spider-Man said that they were reversible, just like the movie. Oh, and, okay. uh And they're black on the inside with the gold trim. Oh, okay. Um, and then we kind of get a glimpse of that black in, in inside of his suit in... Um, Homecoming? Homecoming, yeah, where he's in the hotel room and he's he's trying to... Put it on. He's trying to work the interiors of it. Gotcha. And hack it. Um, oh, yeah. I forgot about that scene. Yeah. So, um, I liked his gauntlet. I thought that was cool. I'm I'm interested to see how, how the, the magic is incorporated 
it's like magic web shooters or something. I don't know. It's really cool looking. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm very interested to see what they're doing with that. Jamie Foxx's costume got redeemed. That looks dope as hell, by oh, the way. Yeah. And I love the freaking electric, like, starfish he's getting. Yeah. You know, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we get the sort of like a classic electro, like, nod with the, that. He's got those Timberlands on. Everyone was talking about that. <laughs> oh, I didn't notice the Timberlands. Yeah, he's wearing some Timberlands. Everyone's talking about he's going to be like <laughs> spider stomping with them or something. Um, That's funny. Uh, yeah, they all going to be stomping the yard. Yeah, I really want. I wanted them to redesign since we redesigned like Goblin, Doc Ock, Electro. I really wanted them to redesign uh, Lizard because he still looks like a Goomba from the like old uh, like live action <laughs> Mario Brothers <laughs> somebody else on another podcast was talking about Goombas the other day and I can't remember what they were referring to but it was just these big head these big bodies with the little head yeah <laughs> that's great alright let's talk about Shang-Chi finally in the Ten Rings woo what is it? Chong? Shang? Uh, I mean, Katie sat there and ripped him a new one on the plane and was like, really? You changed your name from Shang to Sean? I mean. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. That's like going from Gina to Gina. Yeah, I uh, I said that just because uh, of that scene. Uh, I, I really like that. I feel like that scene was in there for like, um, for us. Because, <laughs> like, it's so hard to pronounce, like, names, especially when they're, you know, I don't know, different cultured. And I was like, oh, I've totally been calling it Shang, like, this entire time, like, all my life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he's probably been called Shang-Chi since his his uh, first appearance. Yeah. In Marvel special, or no, special, special Marvel edition number 15. We also got Razor Fist. By the way, that was a real character. Yeah. <laughs> from the comics yep. on that bus with the sword. Uh, his first appearance is Master of Kung Fu number 29. The guy that trained Shang-Chi in the movie is known as Death Dealer. His first appearance was Master of Kung Fu number 115. And the ultimate villain at the end was actually a character from Doctor Strange number 30, Dweller in Darkness. And uh, there's more uh, demon kind of creatures like him in the comic books as well. Like Mephisto? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) All right. In Act 1, we get the origin of the Ten Rings and the rings giving the wear immortality, which I thought was kind of interesting. Like, I like that whole origin story that we got from Shang-Chi's mom. And I like the the visuals that we got of Wen Wu and him just pretty much decimating any army that got in his way. Yeah, huge divergent from what the actual Ten Rings do. But I kind of dig it. Why, why was it such a huge difference? Well, the, uh, the Ten Rings, they have mastery over different elements. There is a, um, there's one that controls like fire and water and wind and together they form Captain Planet. I was about to say, this is a whole Captain Planet thing here. (laughs) (laughs) But there's, there's one that has mastery over like your mind. And, um, I'd have to look it all up right now. Um, 
but I I heard that they did away with that because they were too close to the Infinity Gauntlet. So they decided to completely change them. I don't like that reasoning if it's true. But that's yeah. just me. Oh, um, yeah. I, I These are dramatically different than the rings from the comics. Because like you said, I mean, they each had their own element kind of thing that they they did and they handled. And you could use the ring for. And they were actually rings, too. They like you wore on your fingers, not necessarily armbands either. But I still thought they were pretty dope. And I like that as we're watching the movie... Wen Wu had at least a thousand years to sit there and master these rings. And Shang-Chi was doing things with them within the first five minutes of having them. (laughs) We never saw Wen Wu even attempt to do with them. Yeah, so I have a huge theory that I was going to... I'm sorry, but who's Wu? Wen Wu is his dad. Wen Wu's the Mandarin. Well, yes. What? Well, he says that they appropriated his name or whatever and gave it a Chinese dish name. <laughs> but yes, uh, <laughs> yes. Wen Wu is supposed to be the the Mandarin, uh, the leader of the Ten Rings. America was terrified by an orange. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was Trevor. Right. Right. Did and you watch the Trevor movie? In here. <laughs> I know. Sorry, I, I derailed your whole like theory there, Richard. Sorry okay. about that. But. Uh, well, I'm just wondering, like, are you? Are you confused or or what? Like who Win Wu is? Yeah. Kinda, but yeah. He's Shang-Chi's dad. He has the Ten Rings, like the actual Ten Rings, and is the leader of the group known as the Ten Rings. Why didn't I think that? I'm not sure. Yeah. How did I miss that? It was, okay, never mind. Sorry, I, something, I had a brain fart, I guess. Well, we only hear his name, like Win Wu, one time, I think, throughout the entire movie. He says it at the dinner table. Yeah. He says when he's explaining... That, like, I've had this organization for years, and then one guy decided to overthrow the American government, and they, you know, stole my organization and named me after, like, a, a Chinese dish, you know, the Mandarin. No. And um, he's like, but my actual name is Win Wu. Oh, okay. The only person that ever called him that was his wife. Oh, I gotcha. So. Okay. Back to your theory real quick, Richard. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, my theory is, so you brought it up and I was going to wait till we got to like maybe the final climactic fight. But, um, I think the reason why Shang-Chi has like better control over, uh, yeah, that's right. That's going to be, it's, it's (laughs) ingrained into me and I just can't like, it's so hard for me to change it. But yes, Shang-Chi is, um, is so good at using the 10 rings like almost immediately. Uh, when whenever Wenwu or uh, uses them, they're blue. Yeah. When uh, his would be wife shows up in the movie, they turn orange. Yes. Like when she uses them a little bit. When Shang Chi uses them, they are orange. Yes. Shang Chi. Damn it. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the the people from Tao Lao believe that they are descended from dragons. The technically the origin of the Ten Rings are from a dragon called Fing Fang Foom, who actually isn't really a dragon. He's an alien race that just so happens to look like dragons called McLuhan's. I think they're going a Star Lord route. And not necessarily saying that Fing Fang Foom is like a great descendant 
of Shang-Chi, but like Shang-Chi is Shang-Chi. a Shang-Chi. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> Shang-Chi is a descendant from a McLuhan. And that is why he has better control over the rings. Huh. So like, you know how like Ego like was Star-Lord's dad and he could use the like light ability to like create stuff on the planet? Yeah. It's the same way, but just the rings instead. Like the rings were created by McLuhan's, which are dragons. That big giant white dragon at the end of it, I guarantee you, is going to reveal that it's not really a dragon. It's McLuhan. The great protector. Yeah. Um, so just so we, we get your theory and the story, the actual movie and the comic book all cleared up when you sit there and you say the Ten Rings are made by the McLuhan. I'm not even gonna be able to say their name, McLuhan's. Um, and Fing Fang Foom is from that race of alien. That's all from the comic books. Correct. So that's not been established in this movie. There was nowhere to actually know of that no. story or background from the movie itself because they, it's never touched on. Correct. Um, but your theory is, is that the great protector in the waters uh, that fights off the dweller in darkness is a McLuhan and, um, and Shang-Chi is an, a descendant from that race of alien. Yeah, because his mom says a long time ago when, you know, right before she dies, you have the heart, or no, it's her aunt, uh, her, when they're training him in that new sort of like fighting technique when they're in Tao Lao. Airbending. She says like, you have the heart <laughs> of the dragon or something. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so where is that okay. descending through? Like that whole, where is he possibly getting that from? Uh, to be honest, Jeremy, I don't know. Like, I'm assuming it's like a great, 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 great grandfather or something. Mm, gotcha. See, my thing is, is that they were so adamant about, you know, knowing the history and the culture and things of that nature that if he was actually a descendant of, you know, a great protector type dragon, that they would, that almost they would have made that a thing. I mean, Marvel can always go back and sit there and say, well, you know, there was there was beef between who had, this family and that family, and and that history was lost for years and whatever else. And so, there's ways of making that um, work. But yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I mean, I, it sticks with the comics for the most part. Definitely a possibility. I mean, hell, no, nobody know where them things came from right now. Yeah. Uh, when when uh, I I think his mother's name is Lee, L I. I think so. I don't think we ever like heard her name throughout the entire movie. It was just your mother or my wife. I would say I, I wouldn't. I take what I say with a grain of salt because I didn't know that when movie yeah. was his dad. So. <laughs> uh, Ying Li is his mother's name. Ying Li. Okay. Thank you. Um, I, I I really enjoyed you know when. So Win Wu has got he's gotten the rings and uh, he's pretty much conquered everybody and, and taken everything that he's wanted and ever wanted. And, uh, he, but he wants to find Talo, which is, we learn later on in the movie, essentially another universe. I think they even say universe within like when his aunt's talking, I assume it's like, uh, with iron fist, which by the way, this movie was exactly what I wanted iron fist to be. Like, <laughs> I like, I wanted to see, uh, Kung Lung and it'd be this cool like other realm 
Yeah, I think it's it's kind of like Asgard, where it's quasi like in a different universe. Well, I mean, would it be like uh, kind of like Wakanda? No, like I don't. It's this hidden thing, like I, Wakanda. Yeah, like Wakanda's hidden just by like oh, yeah. technology. I believe Tal Lo is like almost in a pocket dimension. Do, do you know what I mean? Yes. Like like the TARDIS or something from oh. Doctor Who. Like and it's in it's it's quasi like exists on our planet. Because I mean, like I mean, you all you had to do is just go. I will. Not all you had to do, but like you had to just decipher the maze, basically. So if there's nothing like. I don't know. It didn't seem like to me in the movie that, and it doesn't have to be. It's just my the way my mind thinking about it. Like, it didn't seem like anything warped or changed whenever they finally made it. Like whenever they did that last like leap into there, or whatever. It's just yeah. So what I'm what I'm getting at is like when I say like it quasi exists on our earth, you can get to it via the maze forest, but you can't get to it via plane. Yeah. Or you could possibly like if you're Doctor Strange could teleport in there, but you can't physically go there like it does not exist on Earth. But the only way to get to it is from Earth. So basically they they made it. uh Harry Potter. It's unplottable. Yeah, I guess. I, I don't I don't know Harry Potter that well, but yeah, I guess. Yeah. I could I could see the Harry Potter reference. Um and it's a lot like you you've mentioned Kung Lao. Kung Lao is very much the same way where it's a uh some kind of opening is there. It's only there for a certain amount of time. It's only there for so, you know, it only comes around so many years or whatever the case is and that's your one and only time to be able to enter Kung Lao or uh, in this case, Talo. Um, and, and she does sit there and say when, you know, the ants walking them around and stuff like that and telling them the stories, she says they had cities that surpassed any of our universe. Talking about like Shang-Chi and Katie's. So it is a different universe, apparently. Oh, OK. Um, I, I don't think they would be allowed to use the word universe. I think yeah. it would be a different dimension or it would be a different whatever. So it is a different universe. Which is interesting, um, especially since, you know, we've gotten all this multiverse of madness. I think it's going to be, I think we're going to have to have clear definitions of timeline, yeah. universe, and multiverse. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. I want, like, uh, kind of what they did in Guardians when they go somewhere new. There's this little, like, text that goes, like, dee, 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 and it tells you, like, this is universe, whatever, 616 you know, and tells you, like, where we're at, yeah. especially for Multiverse of Madness. I think they're going to have to. Yeah. Because it's definitely going to be, like, uh, hard to keep track of sometimes, probably. I mean, it's going to be, like, <laughs> all I can picture is the, uh, whenever we were talking about the Hawkeye comic, and, like, I had to get, like, halfway through the book, and I was like, oh, crap, we're in different days. Like, you got to go back and figure out, like, rewatch everything. Like, okay, where was this in this timeline? Yeah. And, like... <laughs> It's going to, like, you have to have some kind of roadmap there where we can just, like, okay, this is, like, the order that it's supposed to go in. Yeah, that may be what they're going to do Loki for, but that's a whole nother episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I thought that when Wenwu met, said... Yingli. Yingli. When he met Yingli and there that fight between them, like, that was probably one of the most beautiful fights. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad they made it the way that they did it. And I did find it interesting that when she she didn't necessarily take possession of the rings because I don't know that she could. Um, I, I, I think she could. 
uh, like uh, my other clue, like when she uses them, they turn red. Shang Chi uh, uses them, they turn red. I also meant I forgot to mention that, but the scales and stuff that they use as weapons, they glow red. Yeah, uh, I think it's some kind of thing that is like you're descendant of dragons or something. And I think the people from Tao Lo are descendants of McLuhan's. But anyway, so like the rings on. Like when 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 she was bending them, like air bending them. We're just gonna say air bending yeah. because everybody knows what that means. <laughs> yeah, there was very very much like Avatar: The Last uh-huh. Airbender vibes in a lot of Even these like fight some scenes. Of the movements, just yeah. like the way that she like used her like used her feet or just like setting up things. Like yeah, it's it, very reminiscent of air bending. Um, she, you know, she never, like, she would sit there and be able to control them, but she never, it didn't look like she ever took possession of them. Like, they never went onto her arm or anything along those, na- that nature. Um, and I can't remember in the final fight between Shang and Wu if they ever went on Shang's arms. Or, because I know at one point in time, he had five. And Wu had five. And I can't remember if they actually went on, the five went actually went on his arm or not. And I would be interested to especially go back and watch to see if they ever did. Because to me, that would be like a big indicator of possibly them being quantum bands. I thought he had them at the, I thought he had them on at the very end of the movie. Like all 10 of them. He did. At the very end of the movie, he did have both all 10 on his arms. But when Wu gave himself to the Dweller of Darkness, essentially, yeah. He basically like passed them on like relinquished possession oh. of the bands and then they failed and went to Shang. Yeah. And they turned, you know, reddish orange color or whatever the case is. Um Yeah, he like fires them at him and then Shang does this cool like flip and then lands and then they turn orange and then they start to flow Around, around him, and then he starts, you know, waving his hands, and they follow him. And there's shots of like his mother, uh, when they were kids, showing him like some movements, forms, um, yeah. and and then that's when he sort of gains control of them. Um, I can't remember if they go on his arm because I know there's that one part where they like grab the rings and they're like almost like tug of warring between them. Yeah. Um, yeah. but. For the most part, it seems like he's just whipping them around. And see, to me, possession of the rings is like being a wearer of the rings. Like you may be able to control and there may be some kind of conflict or whatever that is where they, you know, because they change color and things of that nature. But if you never wear them, are you actually like in possession of the rings? If that makes sense. Right. Yeah. So any, I, I just I really thought that original fight scene between Ying Lee and Wen Wu was just definitely a work of art. I love watching just their facial expressions with each other and the way that they sold their love with each other and things of that nature. I like that, you know, we get a hint of the fighting style, the airbending that we're talking about. Uh, Wen Wu said that it was fighting style of the gods. So I kind of I'm kind of curious as to where if they're going to touch on that and how that may go, especially since it was so essential for Shang-Chi to learn that style and to see that that style of fighting was just as powerful as the rings themselves. Yeah. Like when she would go to block, it would you would see these giant bursts of like just air or whatever whenever the rings in her style would would match. And that may have something to do with like what you're talking about, the heart of the dragon, things of that nature. They 
touch on as well. Um, and then I, something stuck out to me where, where Ying Li is telling the story to Shang-Chi at the very beginning and, and giving him all the backstory and giving us all the backstory, essentially. Um, she says that, you know, that their style is empowered or that they are empowered by the magic of the Great Protector, which could be the McLaurin. And that she says there's much more to know about the legend of the rings. And there really is. Like, we have no idea where these things came from. We have no idea, essentially, what power they can actually do. Like, we see what Sean was able to do with them within, like, five minutes of having them in the last 10, 15 minutes of the movie. I don't know. There's there's a lot of mystery behind these rings. Like, big type mystery, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, she also sits there and says, when you have the heart of the dragon, you can do amazing things. I don't know. There's just a lot, I thought, in the, the first of that, when she's talking to him, that, like, tees up a lot of things that we could possibly see. You know, like, this is his origin story. Like, this is his first start, something we've never seen before. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, jump ahead, we see we see Shang-Chi and, and his best friend. It looks like Katie, 10 years later. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> I love this intro to to him uh, where they're playing like the music and it looks like, you know, he's getting ready for his day and it looks like, you know, this dope car pulls up. I forget what it is, but uh, just a little BMW. <laughs> oh, is it? I thought it was like an Aston or something. But anyway, no. the uh, car pulls up and a guy steps out and you think he's like some kind of like, you know, whatever businessman or uh, and then he, he's the He's the valet. I just, yeah. I love, I love the way they set that joke up. Yeah, I do too. I love when Katie jumps in the car and she's like, come on, Sean, come on, come on. <laughs> and she makes a Jeff Gordon reference. And he's like, who? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's like, I'm the Asian Jeff Gordon. It's like, what? <laughs> I just love the fun that she's having when she's driving that car. Like her facial expressions throughout the entire movie got me. I was just like, this chick's awesome. It's funny. Yeah. Aquafina is hilarious. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen like crazy rich Asians and stuff like that, but she's in that movie and and she's hilarious. No, nah, I haven't seen it, but that she she seems like she's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're they're hanging out with their friends at the bar and they eventually leave and um go and, and get drunk while doing karaoke <laughs> and and the next morning, Sean goes over there, I guess, to to meet up with Katie to go ride the bus together. And we see a poster as he's walking into the thing that says post blip anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. My wife pointed that out. I didn't notice that as well. So, like, that's it, it's it's kind of reminiscent of Captain America in Endgame. Where yeah. he's doing, you know, therapy sessions, I guess, basically for people who've lost people to the blip. Yeah, I think um, one of those posters that you see that has, like, hands or something uh, on it, I think that's one of the, like, I don't know, whatever, stand-up advertisements that's in the room that uh, Captain America is, like, you know, having the whole, like, circle, uh, I don't know, talk. Powell? I don't, yeah, Powell. I don't know what those things are called. <laughs> the, like, AA-looking thing. <laughs> AA. <laughs> nice. Oh. So we get a little bit of of Katie's family and uh and old heritage and things of that nature, and we finally get to the bus scene, which I'm not gonna lie, right here, right now, that bus scene was dope as hell. Yes, and I hate, I absolutely hate that. From what I've heard, the bus scene and the scaffolding scene that we're gonna get to 
were all done by a Jackie Chan choreographer, and he is now dead. May he uh, rest in peace. Yeah. Because that shit was a work of art, man. That <laughs> that was dope as hell. I agree wholeheartedly. I, I'm so glad you, you said that because the bus scene, to me, is the best fight scene in the movie. Uh, I love the... I remember seeing this at, like, the drive-in when it first came out, and when that bus scene happened, and he takes that coat off, and he does this, like, maneuver to, like, get out. Like, some guy has, like, a hold of him, and he takes his coat off, and he slips out, and then he uses the coat to, like, block an attack or something. I was like, that is a Jackie Chan move right there. (laughs) And then later on, finding out that the guy that did the choreography was, like, an apprentice of Jackie Chan, and me being a huge Jackie Chan, like, fan, because I love, like, all of his movies, like, Rumble in the Bronx, and anyway... Um, like, uh, the, the choreography straight up felt very like Jackie Chan. Like when he's flipping around the poles that you hold on in the bus, it was dope. And then, yeah, of course he, unfortunately rest in peace. He, he passed away, uh, which sucks. I hope, I hope they can get somebody in that's equally as good. Um, because they got to the, the, the fight choreography was just like chef chef's kiss like it was just so good in this movie i mean the choreography was on point the the soundtrack to that fight was on point yeah the the shots that they made inside and outside the bus were on point like it was just that whole sequence was a work of art and just they they nailed that shit like down yeah 10 out of 10 um jeremy apparently thought it sucked he has nothing to say (laughs) i want to know I was, I was waiting to say, like, I really enjoyed it, too. I thought it was funny, the guy that uh, the guy that was live streaming the whole fight. Oh, yeah. That, I wanted to say the guy that was live streaming is is like me, where I just, like, armchair. Like, you know, when he talks about it, he's like, oh, I've done some kung fu back in the day, so I'm going to rate this uh, out of 10 or whatever. I'm just yeah. like, that's just, like, I don't live stream, but I'm just saying, like, that's just me, just armchair, like. Making comments, <laughs> I shouldn't be. Oh no, that was that. That's uh, that kick was just that was not high enough. So, no, you know. no. <laughs> Fun MCU fact: Clev was the one that was doing that video, and he was actually in one of the Spider-Man movies, and he was the street vendor that was like, "Hey, Spider-Man, do a backflip!" And Spider-Man does the backflip. Oh, is that him? Oh, really? That's the same guy. Oh, same I didn't know that. Guy. Oh, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> um. I like also in this fight scene that I think I've only I've seen this, the fight scene now about three times. And um, there's only one mess up that I think I saw. And it, it just kind of dawned on me on the last time that I seen it, that we stayed focused not only to the fight that was going on, but we made sure that you saw that pendant on his neck as well throughout just about the entire fight scene. Yeah. And I thought that was essential because that's what the whole fight scene was about was that pendant. Um, so I thought they did a really good job as far as that goes. Uh, we get our first look at Razor Fists, and <laughs> I just like where he's like, "Hey man, you." Clev is like, "Hey man, you got this," and that 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 sword comes out, and he's like, "Oh, never mind." <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was great. Um, I'm just saying the at one point we see Razor Fist can like retract the fist. 
And, you know, when he when they're having to fight the, like, dweller in the dark monsters, he takes a, like, weapon and then, like, retrofits it onto his razor fist. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where, like, it, it can, like, grab something. I'm like, why not just give him a robotic hand? <laughs> like, like, I don't because understand. Because he's not razor fist. No, he can still razor fist when he needs to, but, like, <laughs> the other times it's just a hand. But then it'd look too much like claw. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I just feel like that. Like it, someone's gonna have to open ketchup bottles for him. Uh, let's see here. What else can he not do? Uh, he he's can't... got a razor for a fist. He can open up anything. Yeah, but like, it, like... How, how are you gonna reseal it? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you can't close it back up though. That's the next person's problem. <laughs> I'm sorry, but all I can hear think about like whenever you're talking about like. Razor fist is just. I, I want to hear Rocket combine Razor fist. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say uh, earlier it was. Yeah, it's very Taser face. Yeah. How <laughs> did you think about that? Just one day you woke up and like, you know what? Name is gonna strike fear into others. Razor fist. <laughs> I mean, in 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 Razor Fist's defense. He actually has a razor fist, but <laughs> yeah. uh, when Rocket was asking Taser Face, he tasers do not shoot out of his face. <laughs> so like, ah, uh, yeah, anyway. look like he got tased in the face. <laughs> it's it's metaphorical. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um. Well, Razor Fist succeeds in getting the the pendant from Shang Chi, and uh. Sean earlier in the movie, he got in a postcard from his sister, uh, letting him know where basically where he thought she was at. And so he's like, all right, you know, we, we got to I got to go to Macau, China to go see my sister to make sure she's OK, because uh, my dad's going to be after her next. Yeah. Um, And this is where Sean kind of unloads on Katie, you know, at his apartment and on the, the plane ride to Macau. That, uh, you know, he was a trained assassin. Essentially, he was sent to America at 15 to kill his mother's killer. And he tells Katie then that he couldn't go through with it. Um, and that's where we get the whole, you know, his real name's not really Sean, it's Sean. Yeah. <laughs> Which is hilarious to me. <laughs> I thought it was a I thought it was a good ending to the seriousness that was happening on the plane there and them uh connecting even more. Yeah. Oh, well, once again, I, I feel like he was just there for like white people to pronounce his name properly. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, for uh, Richard to pronounce his name properly. Yeah, for me. Yeah, per, pretty much. <laughs> There's a damn guy in Alabama that keeps saying Shang. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking cracker. <laughs> uh, I don't know what kind of accent that was either. All right. Uh, he gets to Macau and goes to the Golden Dagger Club, and uh, he's known as the Bus Boy yeah. from YouTube. Can Can yeah. I just say I'm a little disappointed that it wasn't Madripoor? I know, right? Yeah. Like I went back and I was like, surely it's Madripoor, and I was like, no, no, that's not what that postcard says. Yeah, I was really. They should have just made it Madripoor. It would have been cooler to tie it in. Exactly. Yeah, um, but then I guess you might have had some conflict with whoever is actually over Madripoor and allowing her. Uh, what we find out, uh, Shang Chi's sister 
And if I I'm I'm probably gonna butcher Zhao Ling. Yeah, I think it's Zhao Ling. Zhao Ling. Um, For some reason, has, I can get has, that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she started this whole. It's basically a fight club. Uh, the Golden Dagger Club. Uh, we get met at the the elevator with John John, and uh, he starts taking us down the hall where there's some amateur fighting going on in these little booths on the side. Did y'all notice the the Black Widow fighting the extremist guy? Yeah. No, I didn't notice that. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think that'd be a surprise that I didn't notice that, but. When I tell you, uh, so we look into a, one of the windows and it's a woman and she's dressed in all black and she kind of is tumbling to the ground and she rolls over and she pulls out a, a knife, it looks like, and she flings it at a guy. And this dude's shirtless and his skin is kind of going like orange, like uh, extremist looking vibes yeah. from Iron Man 3. And I, I want to say her name's Helen is what John John says. Yeah, is, is Helen. John John, I was going to say that is her name's Helen, which is, I don't know, it's just funny because he's like. Nice move, Helen. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like he's in the office. He's like, good coffee, Helen. Yeah, Thanks. exactly. Um, then we walk into the giant arena where we got Abomination versus Wong. I love that. And I love the change they've done with Abomination. I think he looks so much better than from the original Incredible Hulk movie. Yeah. Um, they gave him the fin, like the weird fish ears. And yeah, he looks yeah. all around a lot better. I mean, even Hulk looks better than the original Incredible Hulk movie, which I want to know. So I paused it. Um, I want to know one, how does Banner feel about Wong breaking, like, essentially, like a terrorist out of prison? Because after the fight, and he's telling him, you know, like, you got to pull those punches, that portal that he opens, it's the raft, I think. It's some kind of shield facility, because it's all like, or maybe not shield, but it's some. It's not the sanctum is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's some like metal facility and it's got like a glass enclosure that he's taking abomination back in. It looked like there was also like a, a laser barred yeah. cell yeah, in the background something. as well, too. Like it was. I'm assuming it's the raft. The raft or. That's the only one we've gotten so far, is it not? It's just the raft. Yeah, correct. I mean, I would think that would be. I would think that's where you'd take him. I really hope they address in at least Multiverse of Madness, where Doctor Strange is like, Wong! And, like, Wong doesn't answer. And he's like, where, where, where's Wong? And then, like, <laughs> Wong comes in. He's got, like, a bruised face or something. Because it's clear that, like, they established in, like, Endgame or something. Like, they had no money. They couldn't even buy, like, a sandwich. Yeah. So I'm yeah. assuming Wong is doing this underground and he's, like, rigging the fights because he's, <laughs> he's friends with Abomination and telling him yes. to pull his punches. That he's doing this just to get money for him and Doctor Strange to, like, survive. And, like, I really want them to show just, like, Wong appearing out of, like, portals. And uh, especially at the end when they uh, were skipping to it. But when they do the, the, the karaoke part, I really want that scene to be in Multiverse of Madness where we see the next half of that. Like, the portal opens and Wong's just, like, shit-faced. <laughs> <laughs> great well one's a fight and uh kind of uses the same movie used in uh avengers endgame with i can't remember that big black order guy's name cole obsidian i think yes 
Cole Obsidian, yes. And then we get Shang-Chi. He signed a waiver on the elevator because he had no idea what he was signing. He was signing to enter a match, and so he was going to be a headliner. And he winds up finding his sister. And I'm going to tell you right now, because we get a little backstory on his sister, and, and basically she was not allowed to train with the boys, so she pretty much just taught herself it looked like. And I'm thinking she's a better fighter than Shang. Like, Maybe. I mean... <laughs> We we don't know yet. Like he was holding back in that scene, and I, I agree. We'll find out in I don't know the Ten Rings Disney Plus series that they're gonna do, or Shang Chi Shang Chi Two, where they're obviously gonna face off against each other again. You think so? Think? Yeah, I think so. Uh, like the way she's taking over the Ten Rings, I'm assuming she's kind of gonna be a villain. See, I thought the way that they set it up is that she was basically like they they had kind of mended their issues there, and she's she like they'll all kind of be working together almost. Yeah, but the Ten Rings organization—I don't know—they I could be wrong, but the Ten Ring organization is like always been a like a villain organization. So I assume she's taken over and she's just like well we're using women now and men but like i'm totally gonna use this to do my own machinations mm. yeah I, I i took him i took it as um what my brother don't know won't hurt him kind of a thing yeah uh, and uh she's not this i don't think i don't take it as like she's enemies with her brother or anything like that i think yeah. they have somewhat mended that however uh you know the statement that she makes to katie is that if my dad won't let me in his dynasty, then I'm going to go make my own. Yeah. And that's where she, you know, created the, the golden dagger club. And also the fact that like, when we get Zhao Ling, right. Uh, Zhao Ling. Zhao Ling. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when we get Zhao Ling going to the throne, it's this same exact camera pull as when we got Win Wu on the throne. Yeah. Like the same, yeah, the it was. same exact one. It, yeah, it was like a shot for shot, like remake of it. It was, I noticed that as well. It was really cool. It was just modernized, like for yeah. Shao Ling. So like, I, I'm taking it as she's going to be the leader of the Ten Rings and, and do her bidding the way she's always had plans to do her bidding and just not let her brother know. Yeah, well, that's I think down to. I think he's going to find out, and that's what's going to lead to like a confrontation between the two. I, I, once again, I could be wrong, but I, I have a feeling that's what's going to happen. Um, yeah, I, I'm. I was going off strictly the fact that like she taught herself to be what she is without a death dealer sitting there flopping her with a stick and and making sure her form was correct and and all these other things. Okay, I see what you're saying. You're saying because she self taught herself, she's better than. Whereas, like, Shang was, was taunted almost. Yeah. Well, he was forced. I mean, she wanted to be that. Like, that's what her, her desire was. I will say this. The, her weapon of choice, that, like, dagger on the end mm -hmm. of the rope, like, you have to be really skilled just to, like, I would murder myself in, like, two seconds. <laughs> like, I would just, I would throw it and, like, pull it back, and it would just, like, bury itself into my chest. And I'd be like, I need, I need a hospital. Help. <laughs> Have you seen the people in like on like YouTube? They'll sit there and sling that thing around off their foot and yeah. stuff, and like to, to gain momentum and whatnot like that. I'm like, hot damn! Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If I ever see somebody like, if I ever see somebody like with one of those, like I'm, I, I don't run because I'm just fat and I can't run, <laughs> but I probably would run on that instance. Like it's just. <laughs> 
same, honestly. Like, I'd just rather stand there and throw hands and just, you know, what happens, happens. But, like, <laughs> if I see a motherfucker coming out looking like Scorpion, <laughs> no, fuck it, I'm running. <laughs> so, we also get where he is told us, you know, we get a flashback from when he's leaving at 15 years old. And uh, he tells his sister, you know, he'll be back in three days. And he never comes back. So, of course, she holds that against him. She left out to go start the Golden Dagger Club at 16 years old. And then the Ten Rings come to invade the Golden Dagger while they're there. I, I really wasn't impressed with the whole fight that Shang-Chi and, and Xiaoling had. Like it was, like you said, like Shang-Chi was pulling his punches. Very evident that he was pulling his punches. Yeah. Um, that last blow was that Xiaoling did was crazy. Just the way they cut the scene and stuff like that and just... Knocked his ass out almost. Oh my gosh, yeah. When she kicks him in the head, it looked like that hurt. Yeah. And then Katie's face as <laughs> she's sitting there drinking her drink. She's drinking like a Mai Tai or something. I forget what it is, but yeah. <laughs> she bet against him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was awesome. Um, we get the we get the awesome scaffolding scene. Shaolin comes back to save Katie. Because she's almost kicked off of the scaffolding. And then we get Death Dealer. That dude was creepy. Like, the mask is whatever. Like, the mask is already, like, kind of creepy. But, bro, when he's coming down, like, the the bamboo, yeah. like, face first. And yeah. he's doing this, like, demon crawl kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, hell no. 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 Somebody needs to hand me one of them arrows on a rope thing now. <laughs> I gotta get this guy away from me. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> He did have like a weird supernatural like move when he's like crawling, like almost spider like. It was oh, it was creepy as hell. Um, but he he grabs Shaoling's uh pendant and takes off with it, and then we get a. All, I thought the all, the fight scene between Shang and Death Dealer was awesome and yeah. kind of redemptive too. And like, it's I love the the shadow box uh fighting style, you know, with that big electric billboard in the background. So we just see shadows uh-huh. as they're fighting. It's very like old, like Asian cinema with that shadow box fighting. It was just mm. really cool to me. Yeah. I loved all the knife tricks. Like that was that was right up my alley. Seeing all the knife flips, the catches in there and stuff like that. Like just I don't know. The choreography in this movie was oh, yeah. so on point, like just throughout the entire thing, except for like the battle between Shang and Wen Wu. I thought that was kind of lacking, but I think it was supposed to be more than just a battle. Well, he's also like a million years old, so. But he had the rings, <laughs> Jeremy. I mean, I, I disagree. The way they used the rings in that fight was really, really cool. Like, we'll get to it, but just I love how they use it. Um, like at one point, he uses like uh Shang use it as like a stepping platform, you know, at one point to do this cool kick. Yeah. And then when he kicks it, it's like a shin guard. Like it's on his shin as he hits Wenwu. Yep. And just little things like that. I really like how they honestly redesigned the rings and how they use them in this movie. It was very creative because the trailers did this movie no justice at all. Oh, like no. this movie looked like it was going to be boring as hell. Yeah. And... <laughs> I remember like leaving and I was like, man, this was really fucking good. So, um, and it was all due to the fight choreography. I mean, it was just so cool. It was yeah. stuff that we've never really seen in the MCU. Like everybody knows like freaking mixed martial arts in the MCU, but like 
I don't know. This one was just, you know, above the rest. But, you know, like, I think the fight scenes that we did get from the trailers and things of that nature were from the end. Yeah. And to, like I said, to me, those were kind of the more lacking ones. Yeah. So I'm really glad we didn't get, like, scenes from the bus scene. And I'm really glad we didn't get scenes from the scaffolding. Yeah. Like, as far as fighting goes, because, like, those to me were, like, the best fight scenes. Yeah. And, like, that, you know, we talk all the time that, you know, you put so many trailers out or you show the best parts of the movie in the trailer right. just to get people hyped. And, like, this one didn't do that. And we were shitting on it the whole time saying, well, it, it doesn't look any good. It doesn't look like it's going to be good. Yeah. And then we're coming out saying, hey, this was awesome because it was stuff we didn't see yeah. in the trailers. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I agree. I say, just from the trailers, like, I, my thing was, like, I thought it was just going to be a, a revamped Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon type movie. And I, I was yeah. not not a fan of that. This was nowhere even close to that. So, yeah. Um, Wenwu stops the fight right as looked like Shang Chi was going to uh, kill Death Dealer, and then brings us kind of to what I would consider Act Two is when we go to to the Ten Rings compound. We get some information as far as why Wenwu's doing everything he's doing, why he needs dependence, and shows us it's basically the key to a map, a water map, which was pretty cool to watch. Really, yeah. Um, this giant water explosion coming out and, and creating a maze that showed the opening of the the other universe to uh, Talo. Which does he have a photographic memory? Because like he puts the things in, it shows the, like the the path that you need to take, and then he's like, "And now I know how to get there." And I'm like, "You remembered all that like just from seeing it once, <laughs> like, or did what? he did he watch it like previously, like before he showed his kids?" Like, what the eyes do? Did he, like, go ahead of time and, like, put the dragon eyes in there and then, like, looked at the map and memorized it? Because I'm just like, how the fuck did you... <laughs> how were you able to do that that quick? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Right before that, though, we get, you know, the dinner table where we're talking about names and, and you know, that's where we get the, the whole... Somebody stole his organization to use as a terrorist kind of act. And uh, they chose Trevor as to be the Mandarin and things of that nature. He also said he he went by other names, and one of them was Warrior King, uh, Most Dangerous Man on Earth, and then we got Master Khan. So are we to believe that when it was Genghis Khan? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think that's what they were implying. All right, then. There's your history lesson, Jeremy. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, when you're a thousand years old... I'm assuming he was part of, you know, certain great historical moments. Um, After his kids abandoned him, essentially, or left him because, you know, he's going a little crazy. He started studying about Talo again. And this is when he starts getting messages, supposedly, from his wife telling him that she needs saving, she needs help. And that she told him that she was locked behind the gate. It's crazy to think that that dweller in darkness that's behind the gate has that much power to be able to seek out. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's something to do with the rings, but I don't know what yet. Like, because his aunt says when they eventually go and meet his, uh, Shang's aunt, she, uh, you know, he says like, oh, he's claiming he's hearing mother's voice. And she's like, was he wearing the rings when this happened? So I don't know what the connection with that is, but there's some kind of connection so she also says later on that the Dweller in Darkness knows that the rings can break the barrier down. Right. Yeah. 
So that's that's I think that's the connection, the the face value, whether it's deeper than that or not. I you know I don't know, but apparently the dweller in darkness reaches out to people to give them their their most desire, and his most desire was to be with his wife again, and he had the rings, so he had something that the dweller in darkness needed, which was to be able to get out. So I think that was the face value connection. Gotcha. Now. I'm not saying that there can't be more than that because of the color change and things of that nature. But for face value, what this movie was, that's what, you know, she did later on say the rings can break the gate down. I got you. I found it interesting that the path only opens once a year, but it looked like the kids went down at once. And it looked like as long as they stayed in the pocket, they were okay. But then later on, uh, when Wu and his crew was able to just drive on through <laughs> You know what I mean? Like that pocket's not that big and there was like four vehicles. Oh yeah, that's right. You did. Yeah, that's a that's a plot hole. I didn't realize that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because Chong and them go through it and then the Mandarin or whatever, Wen Wu. Well, no, wasn't it different because they had the what's his whatever his name was, the little creature guiding Morse. them. Yeah. Yeah, guiding them through that, but whenever Wen Wu went it was whenever like that was supposed to open up and it like you didn't have to follow the oh, like you okay. didn't have to know the pattern it was just everything opened up so then you could get through there yeah i see what you're oh, saying so it was just a straight line i mean i don't know if it's not, it would have been like a perfectly straight line but it wouldn't have to be like you were cha- no like pockets. Fall- yeah like you wouldn't have to stay in that pocket and wouldn't have to chase the the forest or anything that makes that's it yeah. that's got to be it yeah that makes sense jeremy because that Thank was like you, that was the whole thing. Like he was, he was. It was that certain time of year or a certain time in however long that you could get in there. It just looked like on the maze, and I, maybe I just remember it wrong. But it looked like on in the map when they were showing it that it, it was a pocket as well. So maybe I guess that's where I got it from. Yeah. So, but you're right. I did think it was hilarious that when we did see Morris and we did meet Morris, the little you know no face creature, that he was 19 percent confident that. He, he can yeah. guide them through the maze. Yeah, he's, he, uh, Trevor says 90, and then he's like, oh, no, sorry, 19% gone. <laughs> yeah. I love, like, the actual, like, introduction of Morris, because, like, it was when he pops up and, like, uh, Shang-Chi and Katie are like, what is that? And he's like, oh, you can see him. Yeah. Like, he, he thought it was just a... His imaginary friend, I guess, or something. So apparently that scene, Trevor was supposed to imply because of all the drugs that he has done, he assumed that it was him imagining. And it's also the reason why he, uh, why he's able to communicate with Morris is because of all the drugs that he's taken. That's funny. (laughs) But they, they changed it later on because one of the leaks... Uh, a while back, I read it was from a person who did like a test screener, you know, where they before they'll show the movie and like before they go back and do reshoots. And I think the the original part of the film was that he mentions something about doing drugs. And I think they took that out for the final film that was released worldwide. No. Well, after we got the water map, uh, they get locked in with Trevor and, and we meet Morris and things of that nature. And uh, Trevor's able to guide them. Uh, Xiaoling gets them to the garage where they're able to steal Razor Fist's car. And I like that he has Razor Fist not only on the side of his car, but also on his key ring. (laughs) 
And then I like that they took the rest of the keys with them. So then I'm like, well, how did they get their other vehicles? To like, did somebody just had spare keys somewhere? I guess maybe maybe they had a little magnet thing that you put underneath the car when you lose your oh, key. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. maybe that's what they do. <laughs> oh, that's great. I thought that sequence was all right. Like it wasn't one that I you know watched over again. Not like the bus scene or the scaffolding. Um, but it wasn't bad. I like, I, we kind of skipped over it, but I like that they bring back Trevor in this movie. Yeah, uh, I like too. that they bring yeah. back the, uh, from the Marvel short, All Hell the King, where they retcon that there is an actual Mandarin and that Trevor was just impersonating him because they reference that when he's like, you know, I had this BBC guy come do an interview and then they kidnapped me and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, I, I, I thought that was really neat. Yeah. Morris, with the help of Trevor... They are able to find Talo, and we get to go through a waterfall tunnel hole thing and uh, come out the other end, this magical land with all these magical beasts. And um, we meet Xiaoling and Shang-Chi's aunt, and uh, apparently they were keepers of the Dark Gate, and they're sworn to protect it. Uh, sworn to protect their realm and ours. And they've been there for 4,000 years. She says that they have cities that surpass any of our own universe and that, you know, this is when we learn of the Dweller in Darkness and the story that's told there. Um, And that after the Dweller in Darkness had pretty much decimated their cities, he was headed to our universe and the Great Protector is what saved, you know, them and us, essentially. Yeah. We get the uh, introduction of Dragon Scales, which I kind of had a problem with this, too. All right, real quick, uh, when they enter into Tal Lo or Blau or however you say it, they, <laughs> I like when uh, Trevor say, sees, like, the weird dragon. He's like, that's a weird horse. <laughs> uh, a lot of these, I, I meant to do this ahead of time. I, I didn't get a chance. But I, a lot of these are actual mythical creatures from, I believe, like, Asian culture, like China um, cause those weird, like, I don't know, like dragon lion looking things that we see at one point, I think I've seen yeah, the dogs at the end. Yeah. I think I've seen statues of, of those creatures from like, I don't know, yep. like historical images of like temples and stuff in, in China. And so I think, cause also Morse himself is like, I looked him up, uh, I forget what he's called, but he's an actual like mythical creature from Chinese culture. Really? Yes. Um, I just told my son, we, I was watching it with him, which I thought was a mistake at the very beginning because everything was in <laughs> subtitles. I was like, oh my God. I, I had that worry too whenever we first watched it because we had our two boys with us. And yeah, I was like, oh no. Because like basically my wife was whispering the lines to him and like, I can't focus with that going on. Like, I, I just, just, just messes with me. So I'm like, oh no. Oh, I was no. sitting there thinking, did I click the wrong language? Like, what did I do here? I've screwed up somehow so badly. I don't know how to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> I will have to say, like, I, w- I was, I actually just went back and looked real quick, but like, there actually is kind of a, a warpy, like, universal time change thing, whatever, uh, whenever they go through that waterfall, like, all the water, like, slows down stops and then like it whooshes and speeds up and then like a whole portal opens up in that cave and they come through there yeah Yeah. i remember the water slowing down because it was very reminiscent of the map when it was bursting out oh yeah yeah. anyways um we get introduced to the dragon scales which is what the great protector i guess has left 
for them to use to defeat the the soul suckers because that's the only thing that will defeat them. Um, we see basically a bow, like a staff, that's got two ends of dragon scale, and it cuts through like what looks like a tree timber. Yeah. Um, that's set up inside of a a, a dragon scale shop. I don't know. Armory. Yes, like a blacksmith kind of thing, but with dragon scales. And later on in the movie, when we get to the third act, we get uh, Shang Li, Shang Chi has this staff, the same kind of bow, and he knocks the shit out of Wen Wu with it, and it doesn't cut him in half or nothing <laughs> along those, and he don't block it with the ten rings. He just gets knocked in the head with it and just gets like eaten dirt, but it don't kill him. I don't get that. Yeah, I just assumed it was. I mean, truthfully, it's plot armor, but uh, it's probably Shang-Chi didn't know how to properly, whatever, focus his chi or something to, like, slice it, or I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you could use some kind of thing, but uh, truthfully, it's just plot armor, because if he had killed him, then the movie would just be over. (laughs) Right. So you just want the movie (laughs) to end there? (laughs) It ends with him dying anyways. Yeah. But, I mean, they, they give... They give him a better sort of send off when he realizes, which I, I just, I'm skipping to this part when he's banging on that wall, like trying to free his wife. At what point does he realize he's being lied to? Like, yeah, I know. It just keeps letting those creatures out. Yeah. When like a demon bat comes, like a hell bat comes out of the wall, that wouldn't be your first like thought of like, hmm, maybe everything my son's been telling me uh, is maybe true here. <laughs> <laughs> No, the demon bats were after my wife. I've got to get her out even more no. now. <laughs> it was like, that is, no, what mental gymnastics do you have to do to like come up with that? Like, I don't know. That, that was the one thing that really bugged me where he's just like banging on it and more and more of those weird bats come out. And I'm like, dude, your wife ain't in there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, apparently, I, I guess. Ying Li kept in touch with the ant because yeah. she told them that, that Shang and Zhao Ling were going to be coming back at some yeah. point in time. Yeah, I guess. Because they had some threads made for him. Yeah, apparently she sent them their measurements because that was one of the things that bugged me. I'm like, <laughs> oh, and here's your super suit now. And it just so happens to fit perfectly, even though I've never met you in my entire life. Uh <laughs> It's dragon scale. It yeah, just magically I, I, fits. That, yeah, I assume. I guess that's what it is. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, the ant takes Chung Chi aside and teaches him the ways of airbending, essentially. Yeah. Um, teaches him airbending. Yes. I mean, essentially, that's what it was. I did like how you know you get their fight, them fighting and things of that nature, and then. You know, she takes the time to to open his fists and things and and show him a, a different form. Basically, he should have known some of this anyways with his mother. But, the, you know, when, when she starts to impress him or no, when he starts to impress her, she basically starts whipping up like a, a, a some kind of a windstorm or something along those lines. And he goes in to like drop kicker and <laughs> she just picks him up and just slams him. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, she's got to take him to school. You know, she can't let oh, him. Yeah. She can't let him do too too good. We also, you know, after a full day's worth of uh, airbending and things of that nature, 
uh, and learning, you know, how to shoot dragon scale bows and arrows that Katie was able to learn. And Xiaoling gets her new arrow rope that she's slinging around, cutting up bamboo with. We get Katie and Shang-Chi by the waters and basically he comes clean and was like, look, I watched my mother die. And also, I did kill that guy. Like, I, I am a murderer. I am an assassin. So, and he basically then realizes, like, he's going to have to kill his dad. And uh, that pretty much takes us into Act 3 of the movie, which is pretty much just the fight for Talo. It's the big fight scene that you would always, you know, see. And like I said, you know, I had a problem with Shang-Chi and the bow not hurting Wen Wu. But then again, like the, the blast that Shang-Chi took into the water, you know, wasn't enough to jack him up either. You know what I mean? Yeah. Was it Shang-Chi that got the great protector to come out of the water or was it the soul suckers? Like what? I think it was Shang-Chi because once again, I think there's something, there's too many weird clues with him and, and this dragon. I think Shang-Chi going into the water caused the McLuhan, because I'm I'm sure that's what it is, but the, the great protector to wake up. Well, all right, then. Um, we get a big fight between, you know, the, the Ten Rings and the people of Talo. Uh, up until the old Death Dealer <laughs> gets snatched up by a soul sucker. Yeah. He's the first one gone. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, deleted scenes, they originally had Razor Fist get soul sucked and killed instead of Death Dealer. Really? But for whatever reason, they wanted to keep him around, I guess, for the Ten Rings uh, show that they're going to do. Because, you know, he shows up at the post credit scene. He's next to uh, Xiaoling. Yeah. So uh, at some point, I guess they did a rewrite. But yeah, uh, if you go look at some deleted scenes, I think it's on Disney+. Plus. Um, they originally had Razor Fist dying instead of Death Dealer. But I hate Death Dealer's kind of cool. Like he's an interesting looking character and he's not like dumb, in my opinion, than Razor Fist. Um, <laughs> so I hate that they just straight up like made Death Dealer kind of a, this big sort of like whatever mid-level boss fight and then just murked him with the, <laughs> with the soul suckers. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I was kind of bummed out by that. I mean, dude doesn't talk. He's basically like Snake Eyes from from G.I. Joe, it looks like to me. Right. You know? Yeah. And you did get some kind of humor comedy kind of thing with Razor Fist uh, being like, you know, after he saw that, he was like, yeah, stop. Yeah. Let's all work <laughs> yeah. together. <laughs> yeah. Let them go. Stop it. Let's let's get some of their shit and let's help them help us. Yeah. <laughs> also, I could see more of Death Dealer being more loyal to Win Wu and in his what he's doing. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Then then Razor Fist being like, I can't side with Shaoling um because I, I'm I'm devoted to Win Wu. You know what I mean? In the former regime. Yeah. So um so yeah, I, I think that kind of solves a conflict too between Shaoling and Death Dealer. I will, uh, the other, real quick, during that fight, all the Ten Rings have all these, like, cool-looking weapons, but at one point when the, when the Soul Eaters show up, they fire this, this weapon, and we've seen them use it on, like, warriors of Taolo, where it just wraps them up and, like, electrifies them. Yeah. And I was like, they're going to war, where they clearly want to kill people. 
why do they have like essentially like their weapons are set to stun is what I'm saying. Like <laughs> why why have this ridiculous like expensive looking weapon where it, it shoots this thing that apparently is like a one shot too because I don't know how you reload that thing. It wraps them up. It electrocutes them. Doesn't kill them. It just stuns them. Why not just have a gun? That was the one thing that bothered me. I'm like, just shoot them. <laughs> yeah. PG-13. Yeah, I know. Uh, I, that's what I figured. Oh, <laughs> uh, I thought it was uh, weird. You know, I didn't notice it until today when I was doing my, my fast rewatch. And all their weapons are, like, glow blue, just like his team, like, like when Wu's Ten Rings do. I guess it's because of electricity? Yeah, I, th- I think it's just electricity, but also I think it's so you can decipher in that battle. Because I-, I made a comment, I'm like, it's red versus blue, because it's literally just the <laughs> color red and the villains are blue, just, like, fighting. I think it's just a way for you to see who's who in the battle. Crips and Bloods. Always Crips and Bloods. Yeah. Um, we get the emergence of the Great Protector. We get the Shang-Chi versus Wenwu part two. And this is where we kind of get, you know, I, I don't understand. Like we sat there, we took the time to learn airbending and an open fist style. And we didn't use it the first time because we were mad at our daddy and we let him punch our ass into the ocean. And and now on round two, we're like, okay, let's let's do open style airbending and that's how we're gonna win this round. Like, why didn't we just do that to begin with? Like, we knew that's what it took. Yeah, I agree. It was kind of weird. I, I assume it's just yeah. how they wanted to tell the story. He got all this training, but then he just didn't put it into practice, right. basically. Maybe, maybe, maybe it was he didn't believe in himself. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Huh. Anyways, so <laughs> <laughs> We kind of already talked about it before as far as like having possession of the rings. Uh, in my mind, I think there's a difference of having possession of the rings and actually kind of wielding the rings. It looked like Shang-Chi didn't have possession of the rings until his dad, like until when we rel- relinquished them to him uh, once his soul was getting sucked. Um, I'm, I'm glad we got kind of a redemption where once, you know, the Dweller in Darkness was released, that when Wu saved Shang-Chi from, you know, getting attacked by the Dweller in Darkness. Yeah. So I'm I'm glad that was solved. I'm glad that it was something that probably Shang-Chi doesn't have to deal with anymore. Does that make sense? Like that chapter in his life, that, you know, daddy issue kind of thing... Oh, you're saying that his dad wouldn't return to cause some other trouble in a sequel? Well, his dad won't return, and and that we won't have to hear, like, mopey Shang-Chi be like, I wish I didn't have to do that with my dad. I wish I didn't have to go against my dad. I wish things had been better with my dad. I wish I could have said this to my dad. It seems like things of that nature were taken care of there at the end, and that that's kind of a close story, because, I mean, that's... That's like his big thing, you know, was like this whole story was his resentment towards his father and being a failure to his father, kind of. So it seemed like they actually closed it off with, you know, at one point in the the movie, you see a young Shang-Chi look down at his father's rings and his father notices and he looks back up at him and he's like, if you were to get these one day, you have to show me that you're strong. And it's like, that's the approval. Like, I will relinquish these to you. I want you to have these one day but you have to prove to me that you're strong enough to take them. 
And so like at that end scene, you know, he he does give them like to him. And so I feel like that's the ending of that arc. Like we should not have any more drama or anything over that. It should be done with. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I I understand. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad I'm glad he went out like that. I'm glad there was kind of resolve a resolution to to that. I don't really have much to say as far as like the actual ending. Uh, I was kind of surprised that the the dwell in darkness was able to grab hold of the great protector like that and even possibly take its soul. Like I didn't even think that was a thing. Like I just, I mean, if the dwell in the darkness is something like supernatural, like a Doctor Strange type thing, which I think it is since it can suck souls and the great protector is just an alien, I could totally see it getting its ass kicked by it. <laughs> like, if it's just a McLuhan, like, in other words, that just looks like a dragon, yeah. like, that's just what their race looks like and they have some sort of technology like the rings or, or whatnot to use as weapons, but in this case, he's just throwing fists or in this case, his, like, tail and whatever. <laughs> anyway, what I'm trying to say is, like... <laughs> It's just an alien. Uh, I don't, it hasn't been revealed yet, but I guarantee you the next Shang-Chi movie will deal more of like what the hell the dragon is, which will be, you know, Fing Fang Foom will probably show up. Huh. So in other words, I need to get that book still. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed this twice on the watchings that I've done and... In the first Ant-Man movie, when he shrinks down to subatomic level, we get that flash of what looks like a silhouette of the wasp. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Jeremy, I can't tell if you're sleeping or if you're... Uh, uh, no, not really. Uh, no, I can't. <laughs> yeah, no. I don't know what you're talking about exactly. Uh, at the end, when he's going to defeat Darren Cross, uh, the yellow jacket, he goes to shrink down between the molecules as he's shrinking down and he's going reaching into the quantum realm, he sees you see the silhouette, this flash of a silhouette that's in the shape of what looks like uh, the wasp would look like, like a person with with wings on the back. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Some people theorized it was like one of the you know four beings of the universe, the infinity and eternity. Uh, entropy and death. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Some some people theorized that it was uh, like eternity or something. Oh. Um, a wasp? No, like that silhouette. Oh. Um, it turned out to be wasp, but some people originally when that first movie came out assumed that it was maybe one of those beings. Oh, I gotcha. I could see that with the colors and the darkness and stuff like that, but yeah, I always thought wasp. Yeah. So. Um, it's looked twice and I've not done a still frame to take a picture of it or whatever. It looks like there's a figure, like when he's doing his, what they call Dragon Ball Z move or whatever. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was straight up like, uh, real quick before he gets the rings and he takes all 10 and he's like doing this like charge up shot. It looks straight up like a Kamehameha wave. Like, <laughs> like for all the Dragon Ball Z fans out there, it, it like I was really waiting for him to start saying the words. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, sorry. See, it looked more to me like the Street Fighter guy, where he would, you know, that's that's what I was going for. Oh yeah, uh, Ryu. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Katie, by the way, makes an amazing shot to break the the hold that the Dweller of Darkness has on the Great Protector, sucking its soul, and hits it in the throat with a dragon scale arrow. This allows the Great Protector to get away, cause another, like, uh, water spout, basically, around the Dweller in Darkness, 
and Shang-Chi flings the rings down into the Dweller of Darkness and it causes like this circle of rings inside of him. And I swear the first time when you see that circle, it looks like there's a silhouette of a person inside those rings. And I don't know if that would be like him seeing his mother. Um, I don't know if that's maybe like something that has to do with, you know, when we get to the end credit scene, the beacon that's possibly going out. I I, I don't know. It may, it may be nothing, but uh, it just it looked like a silhouette. And it reminded me a lot of the silhouette we got from the quantum realm with Ant-Man. Yeah, I, I'm going to say this is just you seeing things. Oh, hi, <laughs> like, I think this is like <laughs> where, where someone's like, oh, I saw Jesus in my toast. Like, I, I don't think... Uh, <laughs> I don't think this is a, I don't think this a thing. I don't think there was a person in there. I just think it was his rib cage that and you're just seeing like a silhouette of a person. Well, you are definitely not the wind beneath my wings, Richard. That's funny. <laughs> okay. So I guess I have to go back, take pictures. <laughs> I gotta find Bigfoot again. <laughs> Um, he blasted that dude to hell and back though. Like when he yanked the yeah, like, he, did. he did. He chummed the water for years. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for the uh the people of Talo to be like, and now we'll eat for centuries because I could totally see them like using that as food. We return to the bar and um. We got Shang-Chi and Katie that are like back talking to the same friends about their adventure. And they're kind of like, okay, you're, you're making fun of us. We know we were trying to, you know, make you sound like adults and be adults and things of that nature. But <laughs> this just kind of proves our point. And then in walks Wong from, you know, uh, a sling ring portal. <laughs> and he's asking for Shang-Chi. And I love how he's sitting there and he's like, uh, here, present? <laughs> like, yeah, I guess yeah. maybe. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. He's like, uh, pre- present. <laughs> I like that. It looks like maybe Shang and and Katie might be a couple now. Like, are they just still good friends? You think? I mean, I, I hope not. I like the idea that they don't have to hook up at the end of the movie. Like, just make them be friends. See, I like that them going through an adventure draws them closer. You know what I mean? It can, but they don't have to be, like, in love. They can still be even closer friends now. Huh. I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) Doesn't seem like a Disney move, though, to be just friends. Especially when they're singing A Whole New World together at the very beginning. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, No, it was was Hotel California. They sung, like, three different songs at the very beginning, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're talking about, sorry, I thought you were talking about right after with with one. Yeah, after, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, so this is where we get the uh, one of the end credit scenes, and it's we've got Wong and we've got Banner, who is Brie Larson. Oh, sweet Jiminy Crickets! Yeah, God. I. W- <laughs> God bless when when I'm watching this, I forgot that she's in that scene, and I was like, God dang it, Jeremy's going to talk about this on the podcast, <laughs> which. She's wearing her in-game outfit, like the new costume or whatever, but her yeah. hair's like all long now. But that much time has not passed since in-game. How did her hair grow that quick? She's Captain Marvel. She can do anything. Yeah. She just forced the follicles. 
<laughs> I don't know. She needs to show me that trick, though, because, you know, I ain't got shit going on top of my head. <laughs> um, basically, you know, Wong's like, hey, we've got nothing in the library that talks about these bands at all. Uh, Banner is in his human form with a with his arm in a sling, um, which is different because we thought that you know since in game he's kind of combined his personality and his his brain with the brawn of the Hulk. So we're we're missing something here that uh, hopefully we'll get with the She Hulk TV show. Yeah, I think it will. I think that's going to get explained. The origin of She-Hulk was she was like almost dying and Banner had to give her like a blood transfusion. Right. And that blood turned her into She-Hulk. And she can, like, she's slightly different. She's not as strong as Hulk, but she can willfully change at random when she, like, Hulk, like Banner Hulk can't, like, he just gets angry and he changes into Hulk. Whereas She-Hulk can actually just transform at will. So I'm wondering if maybe by the end of She-Hulk, Banner gives a blood transfusion and just turns back into normal Banner and isn't like the, you know, Professor Hulk, Professor Green, whatever yeah. Hulk. Um, she also keeps her, her uh, for a lack of better words, she also keeps her brain, does she not? Like when she, like, it's not like a whole personality, whereas like the Hulk is a whole personality change. Whereas with She-Hulk, she just basically transforms her body. It's more like Hulk that we see in Endgame, where she is big and green, but it's still Jennifer right. Walters. It's not, it's not some like mindless beast. Yeah. Um. Basically, he's like, hey, you know, I haven't seen anything like this. Our records don't show anything of that nature, and. I, th- I believe he asked, didn't he ask at this point, Shang-Chi, like, how long did your dad have these? And he was like, a thousand years. He's like, well, they're older than that. Yeah. And then Captain Marvel chimes in. <laughs> Go on, Jeremy. Yeah, I was like, what? Silence? Wilbur Larson. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, yeah, we've got no records of that either. So, and then we kind of hone in on uh, maybe one of the rings. I can't, I can't remember. Um, but we hone in on the holograph of the ring. Yeah. And there's a flashing and they say it's a beacon. That's pretty much the end of that. And then, you know, we've already talked about the very last one, which is Shaolin taking over the 10 rings and we get the exact same kind of pull out camera pull out. And she's got women now involved. Uh, where do you, where do y'all think we're going from here? I mean, my my theory is McLuhan's explaining dragons. Yeah, McLuhan's. I've said it like a thousand times this podcast uh, episode, but uh, I think it's the McLuhan's. I think we're going to explain the origin of the rings. The next, uh, I think it's going to be in the movie. I don't think it'll be in the Disney Plus TV show, but the next Shang Chi movie will get an origin of the rings, and it'll be either Fing Fang Foom. Or some other, like, they may change the race or something. I don't know. Maybe they'll make them more, like, actual, like, they're not aliens. They're just inter- interdimensional beings or something. I don't know. But um, I, I I 100% think that's where they're going. I, I really think, kind of going back to what uh, what you were talking about, like, Michael with um, his name, just the, the creature, the, the death creature. Dwell in darkness. Yeah, dwell of darkness. Um, I don't know why that just left me, but whenever you're talking about 
they're in that like where you may have seen like almost almost look like a person kind of there. Like I, I really think that they're just setting up Mephisto. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, your face is great. <laughs> we can't get this shit on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you mother. <laughs> Man, I- I'll be so glad when we get Mephisto in whatever, just so we can be done with these Mephisto. Like, theories and memes at this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's really all I got because I, I have no idea where it's going. Um, I haven't seen the Eternals yet. I don't know if it links anything at all really there, but... Uh, spoilers, it does not. Okay. I didn't think so, but... Um, so, I I mean, I don't know where they're going with it. I just think this... To me, I'm just taking it as a... Where would you like to see them go? Um, I mean, anywhere that that brings Brie Larson in. I'm I'm willing to go. Oh God. <laughs> God dang it. <laughs> you set yourself up for that. Yeah, well, I didn't think that was gonna happen. <laughs> in all seriousness, though, like I I'm not I don't know. I, the way I've kind of explained it to people too, like I forget somebody um was asking me the other night, like they just didn't understand kind of like what the point of it was or anything i'm like well to me it's just i take it as just it's iron man kind of like rebooted like it's the first iron man so it's like the first the first setup movie of like the new avengers i mean it may not be you know be called the new avengers but like it's one of the setup movies here so yeah i i have no idea i don't i don't necessarily have any theories of where i would want it to go or anything like that um i think it would be interesting to see whenever you got bound to have like spider-man come in and see like they'll merge those into with shang chi i guess at some point and all that like i don't know i think it's gonna be interesting seeing some of the having some of the the existing characters getting involved with the new ones so but like i said uh, to me i'm not really i haven't looked like real in-depth within it but that's just me also so I can definitely get down with the McLaurins that you keep talking about, Richard, um, especially coming from the comic books and things of that nature. And, you know, working away for Fing Fang Foom to actually come in. I think that would be cool. Um, I also, I tend to go along the lines of quantum bands. These are the the Ten Rings are quantum bands. Um, Just because of the way they act and because it seems like only one person can be the wearer of them um, at a time. And, and, you know, they can't be taken away until they're they're given kind of thing or, you know, the person dies. So I, I, I like the fact that the rings may show something different than a time traveling threat or a multiversal threat which I feel like kind of goes with what Kevin Feige was saying, like we're not going to have a 10-year, you know, villain again. I do like that it may hit, you know, good. the McLuhan's, would, I think, would take us in a different direction other than galactic. And I think the quantum bands would take us more galactic. Yeah. He was saying that he's not necessarily setting up, like setting up something like what Thanos was, how long of a, how long drawn out that was. Right, but he could be full yeah, shit. Yeah, I was about to say, he's a known liar. Like he's a damn liar. Like he's lied about a ton of things. Like I remember when he was like, "Yeah, you know, Spider-Man's not in in Civil War, unfortunately." And Spider-Man was hundred percent in Civil War. Um, so, which I mean, I get it. He doesn't want to spoil things. Um, but uh, yeah, 
anyway, I, I think I think the overarching threat as far as like a Thanos level event again is probably Kang, but uh, or something else right. that I will mention after the podcast. Anyway, <laughs> um, I, I don't think that the beacon is for Galactus. I don't think that at all. Uh, if it is, I feel like that ruins Galactus tremendously. Um, well, all right, screw it. This is what I was going to mention. <laughs> After the end of the podcast, I don't. Uh, <laughs> I know you're going so, there. <laughs> Eternals. Uh, I don't think the beacon is for Galactus. I think what happens in Eternals is for Galactus. I 100% feel like Galactus. Uh, I kind of said that when I gave my short review on the last podcast or previous, whatever it was. Um, I mentioned like a galactic threat. I think that is what's coming next. I don't think they'll do it until we get Fantastic Four, but I think the events that happen in Eternals is going to lead to, this is not a Returnal review, so, but anyway, uh, <laughs> I think that's what's happening. So, yes, the, the beacon is not Galactus. I think it's a McLuhan. Yeah. Um, I'd much rather be McLuhan than Galactus. Um, yeah, I'd really like, I mean... I feel like having that being a beacon would take away from Galactus, yeah. honestly, and all his heralds that that was their job. Yeah, exactly. And I do think it's it's definitely more of a fit for Galactus to be some kind of an end scene credit or something of that nature in a Fantastic Four movie than anything else. Like, don't take that away from the Fantastic Four either. And I'm not even a big Fantastic Four fan, but I I just know the the history that the Fantastic Four have with. Galactus and its heralds and the scrolls for that matter. Yeah. So I think the Galact I think the Fantastic Four coming into the MCU is really gonna fuck the MCU up because they've got a lot of bad guys. Let's be honest. Yeah, I'm I'm excited <laughs> for it. I, I'm not a huge Fantastic Four fan, but there is like some villains that I really, really enjoy. Doom being one of them. He's my favorite villain. Yeah. Um so, yeah, I'm really, really excited when they finally bring that in. I also think that, like, uh, this whole Dweller in Darkness thing, like, this opens up a big, like, door as far as, like, no pun intended, by the way, either. <laughs> uh, that, like, especially with the things that are going on at the end of WandaVision, like, we, we've got, you know, Wanda sitting there with the Dark Hold. The Dark Hold is created by Cathan, and the, the demons that come from that, and that's, you know, what, these the dweller in darkness and the lords of fear which the dweller in darkness is a part of in the comic books uh they're all kind of connected in that same sort of way and you've got something that's you know sitting there whispering to win woo save me you know it's his his biggest desire and things of that nature and you've got wanda sitting there with one of the darkest things in the multi you know in the mcu the dark hole and something's, you know, sounding like her children coming saying, help us, save us, you know, da, 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 crying out for help the same way as when his wife, you know, supposed wife was. Yeah. Also in, uh, in what if the Dr. Strange episode, when he's absorbing all these creatures and stuff, I'm about 90% sure one of the things that you see him absorb is the dweller in darkness. Okay. Huh. That's cool. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah, in that alternate multiverse world. That montage. Yeah, of... he, I think he absorbed the Dweller in Darkness. Okay. I can see that. Uh, and I mean, that, that also goes along with Shimagorath and things of that nature. Like, I think we're opening the mind of, of all the realm of possibilities that could be in, as far as these creatures go. Uh, I just kind of wonder, like, how deep are we actually going to get into that kind of thing? I only feel like we can go so far, like, 
We've got a time threat of Kang. We've got galactic shit going on over here with Eternals and, and whatever else. We've got dark stuff going on over here with Doctor Strange and, and the multiverse and uh, demons and whatever. You know, like it's just, there's just, there's a mm-hmm. lot of shit going on in the MCU right now. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that could kind of come from this the Shang Chi and Tao Lo alone being a separate universe and there being a way to get to that can open up Kung Lao and you know maybe we get a proper you talking about Kung Iron Lung? Fist from all this. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm thinking Mortal Kombat again. Yeah. It's getting late. <laughs> Kung Lung, yes. All right, then. How are y'all? What's the well meter? What's what's everybody's well meter on this movie? Uh, I was going to say, I was, uh, I was definitely very pleasantly whelmed. Um, pleasantly whelmed? Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It was just, it was a fun movie. It had some nice uh, little comedy in there. Um, but yeah, those those fight scenes were really great like I, I didn't even really think about the whole jackie chan stuff but now that y'all said that like kind of going back and looking at it like it really does have a lot of reminiscence of that and the other thing that's played in my head i was like i wonder if he's doing his own stunts like jackie chan did but and so but it was overall yeah i was definitely uh it was definitely one i would i would recommend people go see yeah i really enjoyed it uh the the trailers did it uh terrible justice and leaving the theater and even seeing it again for a second time, I really like whelmed. I was pleasantly whelmed. I was overly whelmed, honestly, leaving the theater uh, because I was like, that was a really, really cool movie. And yeah, the 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 fight scenes really make it, especially if you're just a fan of like sort of martial arts movies. Um, if you haven't seen it, check it out. It's well worth it. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I was I was pleasantly whelmed. Uh, I didn't think much of this movie because of the trailers and that nature. Um, I was not excited to see it at all. But again, like I said earlier, I'm I'm glad we didn't see what we saw in the trailers. Like I'm glad we didn't see anything on the bus. I'm glad we didn't see the scaffolding. Like I, it would have been everything else that we've always talked about. That you know we know half the movie before we even get to go see it in the movie theaters. Right. So they're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, really, if you think about it. But uh, I think they're using word of mouth, and uh, I, I definitely think it's well worth watching and, and seeing. I mean, especially if you got Disney Plus now, like, you're paying yeah. for it anyways. You might as well go on and watch it. I'm going to say it's, it's no excuse now, basically. Right. All right. So I think the next time we meet up, we're talking uh, first two episodes of Hawkeye. Yes. Yeah. Is that what we're going for? Richard seems very excited about it. Yes, bro. Oh, shit. <laughs> Not looking forward to that at all. I don't. This might be the first Disney Plus series. I'm like, nah, nah, I can't do it, bro. <laughs> Just look at the uh, the tracksuits and the uh, and those uh, shoes, and you'll be fine. About to say, dude, if they if they ain't hustling with them with them Adidas superstars, no, <laughs> no, we got to shut it down. <laughs> I need. I better see some Run DMC shoes on this bitch. <laughs> they released a new clip uh, for uh, Hawkeye where they're talking about how like <laughs> I kind of don't want to spoil this, but uh, they, she's talking about like you just the reason nobody likes you as an Avenger is because you just need branding or whatever. Because like they're walking, I forget they're walking like it may be a mall or something. I don't know. Anyway. You see a guy like dressed up as Captain America, kind of like a not like a like he isn't Captain America, but it's like a Santa Claus 
like mall type person. And then there's another person with an archer and uh, she says something like, oh, look, there's like a girl version of you. And he's like, no, that's Katniss Everdeen. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's really funny. (laughs) So, so we add another, another movie to the, yeah, the canon (laughs) list of movies. Hunger Games. That's funny. And the MCU. Yeah. That's great. Oh, all right. Thank y'all so much for listening. I hope y'all enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed making this. Uh, yes. If you haven't figured it out already, go watch this movie. Go check it out and see what you think. Um, definitely think it's worth the watch. There's lots of mystery, and this will be connecting to more stuff that's to come. So, Jeremy, where can they find you at? Uh, you can find me on Twitch every now and then. Uh, Night Fury, GTO. It's night with a K. Is it with a K? Mm-hmm. With a K. Oh, shit. I've been doing it just in the end the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, where can they find you at? Uh, they can find me here. So um, just check us out. Uh, you can, couch. Yep. You can email us uh, at comicallycomicspodcast at gmail to get in touch with us right now. Uh, send in some just some suggestions uh if stuff you want to hear um we also have a instagram um i think uh we're putting up polls and doing stuff like that every now and then uh but yeah cool what about you michael y'all can find me on youtube and on instagram same handle 22 underscore comics thank y'all again and jeremy is it 22 which one which is is 22 Yes, it's always 22. Oh, I've been putting in 21. Dang it. Well, <laughs> Just no, it's 20 spelled out to underscore comics. Okay. <laughs> All right, everyone, uh, uh, say bye, Jeremy. <laughs> bye, Jeremy. Bye, Jeremy. Say bye, Jeremy. <laughs> it's Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi. No, Shang-Chi. Shan Chi. Shang. Shan. 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 S H A N G. Shang.